not just the Son of God, but He is God in flesh. So last week we talked about the first part of John and we looked at Jesus was the Word. And, and he was in the beginning, um, and he was there with the Father, and when he spoke out words, one with God, things came alive. When Jesus speaks out words, he is the Word, he brings life. That's what we believe. And I think what John is trying to do is he's trying to take us to a place to say, this is who he is, now come and embrace him. Abide with him, he says later on. He wants us to actually be in Christ, not just believe him, not just believe about him, not just sing songs about him. He actually wants us to engage our life with his life. That's the whole purpose of Jesus. That's why he came to earth. So we're going to have a look at John and we're going to go through a bit further. So open up the scripture with me if you've got it there. I do have it up on the, on the PowerPoint there. But the idea here is we've already talked about him being the Word, and then we talked about Jesus and how he called Simon through Andrew. And then we want to go a little bit further, and I've called this, this topic today, I've called it, It's Your Call. So let's have pick it up in John 1, and we're going to go with verse, verse I think it's 35, correct? 43. Thank you. It's behind me. It's up there. I just haven't highlighted it in this Bible. 43. Let's, let's read this. It says, The next day, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. He found Philip. He went and found Philip. I don't know if Philip was lost or not, but Jesus found him. And he went and found Philip and he said to him, simple words, Come, follow follow me. Well, that was enough for Philip. Because then it says, um, here we go. So come follow me. Philip was from Bethesda, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person and the prophets, who the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. It doesn't say whether he followed him or not. But I'm guessing he did. Because you see, John is writing this some 50 years later and he's trying to highlight something for us. So we need to find out what he's trying to highlight. Because it says he called him, and next minute we know that Philip is running off to tell Nathaniel. So he goes and finds Nathaniel. Lindell, what does Nathaniel mean? God's gift. You're right. Good man for a son, I reckon. Yeah, it was a good gift. So, sorry, she has a Nathaniel. Um, Nathaniel, God's gift. So Philip goes and finds God's gift. And it goes on to say, we found Nazareth exclaimed, Nazareth exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. And as they approached Jesus, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. 
Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the, um, on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. I want to talk to you today about it's your call. You ever had that situation where you've gone to somebody and you've said, hey, I'm thinking about this, and they tell you all the negative things. I'm thinking about buying this car. I'm thinking about taking this girl out. I'm thinking about whatever. And you ask somebody some advice, and they just tell you all the negatives. And then they go, but it's your call. And you go, well, thanks. That didn't help me much because it's your call. If you're a leader, if you're, a, if you're anybody in the place of responsibility, and in the end, someone has to make the call. And not everybody likes your call, but you have to make the call. See, you and I have an opportunity to make the call. You make the call. You make the call about how you're feeling today. You make the call about how you're going to journey life. You make the call. Because why? Because it's your life. And you make the decisions. Well, we let everybody else do it. Then all you're doing is letting somebody else take your authority over your own your own person. You make the call. But there's another thing too. See, in your call, there's another call. There's a call that comes from God to you and I. It's calling you and I. I, as you know, um, was a try-hard basketball player and used to spend an awful lot of time at the basketball court. Unfortunately, usually on the bench. And I'm crying out, waiting for the coach to give me the call. Like, Steve, we need you. It happened occasionally. Usually when everybody else was fouled off and a few injuries and it was like, we're desperate, Steve, can you come out because we need another player out there. I was waiting for the call. Sometimes we're waiting for someone to notice us, somebody to call us, someone to identify something in us that is worthwhile because sometimes we don't see it in ourselves. Well, I've got a good news for you today. You all know it already, but I wonder if you know it in your spirit. There's a call of God on your life. He's calling you. He's calling you. I want to have a look at this call of Nathaniel because I think I'm trying to, as I look into this scripture and I meditate on it, I'm saying, John, what are you trying to tell us through this scripture? And I think John has put some significant things in there that we sometimes miss if we just read it as a story. So let's have a look at this call. You see, the first thing I notice about this call is that he knew exactly where Nathaniel was. You see, Nathaniel was sitting under a fig tree. Then you might go, so what? Sitting under a fig tree? Could, could think of worse places to sit. But you see, a fig tree in Israel times, in Jewish times, was really important. If you look in the Bible, the fig tree was the third tree mentioned right at the beginning of Genesis. It's also believed that the fig tree was the last tree. Because if you look in Revelation 20, it talks about the tree where we're going to use the leaves for medicine. They used to use the leaves of the fig tree for medicine. So the fig tree was quite important. You might remember that Jesus actually told a fig tree to die. He actually talks about the fig tree bearing fruit and not bearing fruit. It actually talks about the, the tree being chopped at the roots, which again, some believe is the fig tree. In fact, it is common. There is some thought that the actual tree of the knowledge of good and evil may have been a fig tree. We know it wasn't an apple tree. 
Sorry, all those that actually believed it was an apple tree. There is more proof to say it wasn't an apple tree at all. It doesn't mention it's an apple tree. We just decided to make it look like an apple tree. But there's a very good chance that it was probably a fig tree. Why? Because they used the fig leaves to cover themselves. The fig in Jewish times was really, really important. It was used for all sorts of things. So sitting under a fig tree was quite significant. You see, it was quite often that the Jewish people would sit under a fig tree because the fig trees had big, great big um, uh, trunks. And the trunks sort of had some hollows in it sometimes. And you would sit under this beautiful fig tree at the the heat of the day to cool down and relax and to meditate and reflect. See, the the fig tree was a symbol of security. The fig tree was a a symbol of fruitfulness. This fig tree was, was symbolic to them. So he saw him under a fig tree. He saw him before Philip even came to him, he said. See, Nathaniel says, how do you know me? He says, oh, I saw you under the fig tree before Phil even came. She said, how do you know Philip came to me? You actually knew that? You see, God knows your space. He knows you. He knows you before you went to, to school. He knows you before you came to church. He knows what you were thinking this week. He knows what you were meditating under the tree this week. He knows your situation. He knows your fruitfulness. He knows your barrenness. He knows you. He knows your situation better than you know it. And he knew it before you got here today. And he knew it before you met Jesus. You see, he knows all things. He says in the Psalms that he needed you together in your mother's womb. He says he knows you in the quiet places. He knows you. You cannot hide from him. Don't be surprised. He already knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. So the first thing I find out is he knows him. Then it goes on to say, as you read through it a little bit further, I should look at my notes, but I can't find them. So I'm guessing. No. So he calls you. He knows you. Next one. He also, point two. Good. Ah, he calls you out of your struggles. Are you struggling? I got a feeling as I was praying today that we've all got some sort of struggle. You see, Nathaniel starts to walk towards Jesus. And Jesus looks at him. He says, ah, here comes a true Israelite. That's like saying, oh, yeah, you're a real Aussie, aren't you? Hey, you're a real Aussie. We know, we know what Aussies do, hey? Aussies are mates and they, they're, they're down to earth and you're a real Aussie. Or you're a real New Zealander. I won't go down there because that could be dangerous. Or you're a real West Coast supporter. Or you're a Dockers supporter. Oh, we know the Dockers supporters. It's like, I know you. I know your character. I know you. You're a real Israelite. Well, why did he want to call him an Israelite? Because you see, everybody that was hanging around there at that time would have been Israelites. So why would he say, you're a real one? You're a true one. Because he saw something in Nathaniel that identified him as an Israelite. You see... Israelites came right back in the Old Testament, Genesis 32, of Jacob. Now, Jacob was a man that he was, didn't have a great name, right? He was called a sort of nickname, the deceiver. He, he did some trickery to try and get a blessing off his brother. You might know the story. And then he comes along and he gets to a place where he's going to meet his brother and he says, oh, I'm going to go meet with God first. And he wrestles with God. Now, 
I've seen some of you guys, right? I don't want to wrestle you. You look too big, too strong, especially not that Nick Phipps fella. No way, right? So why on earth would you want to wrestle with God? I mean, he's big. He's strong, he's powerful, but Jacob wants to wrestle with God. And he has a little bit of a wrestling match. And God says, I'm sick of this. And he touches him and he does his, his hip in and uh, first hip replacement. And then he calls him a new name. He says, I will call you Israel. Why? Because you wrestled with God. I've got a feeling that John wants us to know. That what Jesus, when he identified Nathaniel, he said, I know your struggles. I know what you're wrestling with. I know when you sat under that tree you were wrestling. Why would Nathaniel go, oh, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. You've got to be joking. I mean, that's like saying nothing comes good comes out of... Was there anyone here from John Forrest Senior High School? Right? Yeah? We used to say there's nothing good that comes out of Mount Lawley. Right? Anyone from Mount Lawley? Did we, we used to say that, eh? I did anyway, in our group. Yeah. What year? You're quite old. So, um, and we didn't like Mount Lawley. And we used to say if we played games against them, we didn't actually play sport. We had war. We actually were, we counted not how many goals we got, how much blood we drew. Because nothing good came out of Mount Lawley in my day. There is now, I'm sure. And this guy's saying, he's grumpy. What good could come out of Nazareth? You've got to be joking. And Jesus said, I know your struggles. I know what you're wrestling with. See, Jesus, the word, came to earth. He knows you. He comes to your world. And he knows your wrestles right now. Maybe you're wrestling with work issues. Maybe you're wrestling with health. Maybe you're wrestling with your faith. Because I've got a feeling Nathaniel may have been reading between the lines. It doesn't say that. But there's a very good chance that he was probably wrestling with his faith. Maybe you're wrestling with whether you believe or not anymore. Maybe you're wrestling with church. Maybe you're wrestling with a friend. Maybe you're wrestling in relationship. What's that thing that keeps you up at night? You ever get those situations where something happens, a text comes through, and it just dominates your thinking for the whole day, even your conversations, and even at nighttime, and it just dominates? I do remember a time, probably about 20 years ago now, maybe 25 years ago, where we had a situation, and it was in the church, and people were grieving, and uh, I was the youth pastor then, and they decided to make me the pseudo-senior pastor because there was none and uh, it was pretty ugly, wasn't it, Andrew and Anthea? Yeah, so, but what happened was when people are grieving, they have a tendency to go through that process, don't they? And I remember that people were pretty angry at me. I don't know why, because I did nothing. I didn't take him out, he, he died. But I got on the end of it somehow. And I remember saying to somebody one day, one of my elders, who was a beautiful man, and he made it quite clear. He said, Steve, stop singing that song. Because the more you sing that song, of all these things that are told about you, the more you become it. Sing your new song. You see, sometimes we allow the songs 
of this world. We let the song of comments, we let the songs of problems at work, we let the songs of relationship, they go singing in our heads to the place where we start to actually believe it and we sing it ourselves. But you see, Jesus is saying, I know those struggles you're going through. That's things that's keeping you up. That thing that makes your stomach feel funny. The thing that makes you anxious. I know what you're going through. I know your struggles, Nathaniel. I call you out of your struggles. And then he goes on a little bit further. Next slide, because I've forgotten that one too. Next one. Uh, ah, But look at what he says. He says, here comes a real Israelite. And there is no bad in you. Well, he doesn't say there's no bad in you. He says, I see the integrity in you. I love this because, you see, Nathaniel, he probably knew how bad he was. But Jesus did not call the bad out of him. Jesus called the good out of him. Jesus saw the goodness in him and he called it out of him. You see, in today's society, with Facebook and all the things that we have, and we have a democracy and on the news and all that stuff, we're good at finding mistakes of others, right? And we love to call it out. We love to find the mistakes of others because it does something in me because it helps me feel good. But Jesus called out the good. Now, you're going to say to me, ah, oh, but he did call out some bad because he called people broader vipers. Who did he call the broader vipers? Who did he call the bad stuff out of? It was those who thought they were right. It was those religious people who were working hard. You see, he comes and he calls out the good. Years ago, I went to my principal's office at John Forrest Senior High School. Mr. Kelso, do you remember Mr. Kelso? You don't look it. Either you look young or I look old. Okay, so, uh, so Mr. Kelso, my dad... Year 10, we went up to the principal's office. I, was, I loved tech drawing, loved it. Got the old H2 pencil and sharpened it up and did my drawings. I loved it. And I was going to finish school at year 10 and go to, I think it was called tape. It might not have been called something else in those days. And, uh, and I wanted to be a draftsman. That was my goal. And my dad took me to Mr. Kelso's office and Mr. Kelso said, Steve, there's more to you than a draftsman. I want you to go to year 11 and 12, and I want you to be an architect. I can't do that. I can't do that. He kept calling the good out of me. He said, you can do it, Steve. Look at your mass marks. Look at that. I said, don't look at my English marks. Though. He said, no. But look at your mass marks. We can pull this out of you. And he believed me. He believed it. I then failed, but don't worry about that. But what do we call out of people? Do we call the good? What are you calling out of yourselves? Are you calling the good? Jesus calls the good. It's your call. But Jesus calls the good. He's looking at the good. I love the story of the prostitute who comes to Jesus. Well, in fact, the Pharisees and the teachers brought this prostitute to Jesus, threw him, her down at his feet and tried to make him make a judgment call on him. They wanted to test him. I love this because Jesus had every right to condemn this lady. But he didn't. He knelt down and drew something in the ground. And for years, everyone's trying to work out what Jesus was writing. And I don't think we're supposed to know what he was writing, otherwise it would have told us. I think he was just down close to where she was, in the dirt. And he says to her, first of all, he says to the guys, if you've sinned, cast the first stone. They went, uh-oh, and they all took off. 
that he said, where are your accusers? I'm not one. I could be, because I'm the perfect one. But I'm not. And I'm down here in the dirt with you. And then he says, now go and sin no more. He calls the good. Jesus calls the good out of you. Church, Christians, what if we were known as people that called the good out of people instead of calling the bad out of people? What if we were to talk positive about everything instead of... What if we were to be the ones who instead of going to those who don't know Jesus and telling them how bad they are, we were to say, you know what? I see good in you. What if we were ones who actually did as Jesus did and practiced calling good? Calling good out of each other. Because Jesus calls the good out of us. That's a word for someone today. And usually that comes when we know that we're right with God because of Jesus Christ. Call the good. Let's speak out the good. Release the good. And then the last thing I see in this story, as we go a little bit further, Jesus then goes to this really interesting part of the story, which took me a while to work out. He calls out his future. You see, he comes to me and says, you know what? You think you believe me? Simply because I said I saw, saw you sit under the fig tree. Well, actually, you're going to see greater than that. You're going to see everything in heaven coming down and the glory of God coming down and going up and using me as a ladder. In other words, I'm going to break open heaven and you're going to see heaven as you relate to me. I want to show you things you've never seen before. This is your future. Why? Because I called you. I called you out from the fig tree. I called you in your struggles. I called you as you were wrestling. I've called you. I called you. And if you respond to my calling, this is what you're going to see. We're going to come into a time of communion right now. In that time of communion, I want you, and we're going to do communion at the end of our messages for a while, because you see, it's actually about being in Christ. It's about being in Christ. It's not about asking Christ to come and be in our world, it's actually stepping into his word. He's already come to your world. And as the guys hand out the bread and the cup, I want you just to hold that bread and cup for a while. But the bread was symbolic of Jesus' body. The word that became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when you hold that bread in your hands, it's a reminder that Jesus stepped into your world. He became flesh. He became one. He chose to. And I want you to hold the cup. Don't drink it yet. Let's do it together. But hold the cup. Because you see, Jesus died on the cross Oh, Jesus could have found heaps of wrong with Nathaniel, I'm sure. But you see, Jesus invited him into Jesus' righteousness, not yours, into his right standing with God. So as we hold the cup, I want you to ask a question today. What is it that separates me from Jesus? Are you stood over there under the fig tree in your own little world? 
with your own little issues, with your own little struggles, with your own little wrestles? Are you sitting there being negative about, about Jesus who could have come from Nazareth? Are you, are you questioning everything? Are you questioning faith? Are you questioning yourself? Are you, questioning, are you sitting under a tree right now separate from Jesus? Because Philip's come along today and he's inviting you to come to Jesus. Is there sin in our lives that's running around in our brain? Anything that separates us from Jesus is sin. And maybe it's thoughts. Maybe it's, it's things that I've done. Maybe it's stuff that I thought I should have done and I haven't done. And that stuff goes in our brain and it mulls around and we sit under the fig tree and we keep thinking about it and it becomes us and it keeps us set under the fig tree. What is it? that is separating you from Jesus. Just tell him about it. It's called confession. Lord, I've allowed these negative thoughts to control my thinking and to control who I am. And I'm stuck under this tree. Would you forgive me? He said, if you confess your sins to me, I'm right and just to forgive you of those sins. And he does. He does right now. I don't care what it is. He will forgive you. You might say, Steve, you've got no idea. I don't. He does. And he says, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Confess your sins to me. And I'll forgive you of those sins. And then he says, come. Follow me. Come. Walk with me. I'm going to just give a couple of minutes as we just reflect for a moment. As you confess your sins, and you ask for forgiveness, and I just listen to his voice. As he says, you're, you're truly a child of God <laughs> because I've forgiven you. Come, I want to show you something. I want to show you heaven in a new way. I want to show you. I wonder what God wants to show you this week as you walk with him, as you follow him as a child of God, set free. Just, just meditate for a moment on those words before we eat and drink. Let's eat and drink together. Father God, we want to say thank you. Thank you right now. That in this space, we've been called out of the fig tree. And we've come, and this week as we go out, we're going to embrace you. We're going to worship you, because heaven 
has opened up above our lives in the person of Jesus. And all of heaven and all the power in heaven, which comes up and down from heaven to earth, that breaks open the curtain, is available if we walk with you and we respond to you. Amen. Why don't we stand? And let's worship him. As the cups are being collected, let's continue to worship him and praise him. Because he's a God who is worthy to be praised. He wants to meet you. He wants to call you out of the fig tree. It's your call. Will you respond? I cast my mind to Calvary. Where Jesus bled and died for me, I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah still and all alone. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing Your praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, our God. God, this is our celebration. Then on the third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trample death, where is your sting? The angels roll for Christ the King. And oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing Your praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, our God. He shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. And oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Praise His name forevermore, for endless days we 
will sing your praise, oh Lord, oh Lord our God. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore, for endless days we will sing your praise. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh praise the name of the Lord our God, oh praise His name forevermore, for endless days we will sing your praise, oh Lord, oh Lord our God. In an attitude of praise right now, as you've lifted up his name, he's very present in this place, and I know there's some people who've got some needs. I want to ask you right now, maybe you've never responded to the call of God, and he's actually been on your case. That's why you're here. Then maybe today you might say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to respond to that call. Maybe you had that call, and you've run back to the tree. And you've been sitting there pondering life, but you've lost the power. Maybe today is the day where you say, Lord Jesus, I want to come back in relationship with you. I want to pray for you for that. And also maybe that you've been in a place right now where you're going, there's this issue I've been holding on to. It's a problem, it's an issue, it's a, it's a sickness, whatever it might be. Would you bring that right now to Jesus? I'm going to pray for you. But maybe just hold it in your hands, symbolically. Because <laughs> he knows you've got it. He's just waiting for you to bring it. He knows what you're holding. He just wants you to let him have it. Would you hand it over today? Would you hand it over so you'll be free to worship? Would you hand it over so you're free to see the mighty power of God in your life? Would you hand it over? Father, as people hand things over to you right now, the worries, the wrestles, the confusion, the doubts, the sickness, the lack of, of, of things they've got in their lives that they're worried about. You said worry about nothing. So we give it to you. And I'm going to ask Holy Spirit right now, you will just flood individuals in this place. Anointing just come. Just touch lives. Bring healing. Bring freedom. Break chains. <laughs> Bring your glory. Put new spirit of praise in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. We've got one more song we're going to sing, but before we do that, I just want to say to Shalom. Guys, thank you again. We love your ministry or the ministry that you guys are involved in. And as a church, we want to bless you. We want to bless you because I believe that it's not only is it a calling on us to bless you, but believe that when we bless each other, 
it releases something in you. And as a church, we want to take up an offering and out of our faith promise, we're going to put a seed in that. We're not going to take it. We're just going to have them at the door. But we're going to do a seed offering of $2,000, which we're going to give from the church towards Shalom. And I say that for the church's sake, because as a faith promise, we're going to give that as a start. If you can add to that as we bless this amazing ministry, then there's going to be buckets at the door. I forgot to tell someone, but whoever's up there, this is your cue. Can you get a bucket ready? Um, so empty a bucket and get a bucket up at the door. And if you want to add to that, we would love you to add to that. Because we just want to bless this ministry and Peter and what he's doing and the team because lives are being set free. And that's what our heart of the church is, is that we want to be part of those ministries. I'm going to pray and make sure you talk to someone. I know these guys will be keen to talk to you, so make sure you say hi to somebody you don't know, especially if you're visiting today. We want you to make sure you say hello to at least two people, possibly three. Um, so look around for visitors and make sure you say hello because people need to be loved, people need to be accepted, people need to feel welcomed. And, uh, and now, yeah, so do that. I think that's it. So, Jade, lead us into the last song. Bless you guys. Thanks for coming. And uh, let's finish off with this last song. Come on, let's clap. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb Till I met you I was breathing but not alive All my failures I tried to hide It was my tomb Till I met you You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the Darkness into your glorious day. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all I know. The old made new. Jesus, when I met you, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. You called my name, and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day.
I needed rescue, my sin was heavy, the chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing, now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have the future, my eyes are open. Cause when you call my name I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day You call my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day Have a great week, church. Make sure you talk to someone new. So into Shalom, and uh, we'll see you next week.